Welcome to Quanta Magazine's podcast. Each episode, we bring you stories about developments in science and mathematics. I'm Susan Vallett. What actually is a clock? Sure, it makes your school or workday go by pretty slow if you watch it. It can get you up with an annoying noise in the morning. But what is it, really? That's what some researchers are trying to find out. That's next. Explore math mysteries in the Quanta book, The Prime Number Conspiracy, published by the MIT Press. Available now at Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, or your local bookstore. Also, make sure to tell your friends about the Quanta Magazine Science Podcast and give us a positive review or follow where you listen. It helps people find this podcast. In 2013, a master's student in physics named Paul Erker combed through textbooks and papers looking for an explanation of what a clock is. Albert Einstein famously said that time is what a clock measures. Erker hoped a deeper understanding of clocks might inspire new insights about the nature of time. But he found that physicists hadn't bothered much about the fundamentals of timekeeping. They tended to take time information for granted. I was very unsatisfied with the way that the literature so far, especially in the quantum regime, kind of dealt with clocks in the sense that normally a single quantum system was considered to be a clock rather than what I would call a clockwork, something that you reference your ability to timekeep to. So Erker started thinking about what a clock is, what it takes to tell time. He had some initial ideas. Then in 2015, he moved to Barcelona for his doctorate. There, a whole group of physicists took up Erker's question, led by a professor named Marcus Huber. Professor Huber, Erker, and their colleagues specialized in quantum information theory and quantum thermodynamics. These are disciplines concerning the flow of information and energy. They undergird emerging technologies like quantum computers and quantum engines. The group realized that these theoretical frameworks also provided the right language for describing clocks. Huber says it occurred to them that a clock is actually a thermal machine. Like an engine, a clock harnesses the flow of energy to do work, producing exhaust in the process. Engines use energy to propel. Clocks use it to tick. Over the past five years, through studies of the simplest conceivable clocks, the researchers have discovered the fundamental limits of timekeeping. They've mapped out new relationships between accuracy, information, complexity, energy, and entropy, the quantity whose rise in the universe is closely associated with the arrow of time. These relationships were purely theoretical until spring of this year. That's when experimental physicist Natalia Ares and her team at the University of Oxford reported measurements of a nanoscale clock that strongly support the new thermodynamic theory. Nicole Younger-Halpern is a quantum thermodynamicist at Harvard University who is not involved in the recent clockwork. She calls it foundational. 
She thinks the findings could lead to the design of optimally efficient autonomous quantum clocks for controlling operations in future quantum computers and nanorobots. The new perspective on clocks has already provided fresh fodder for discussions of time itself. Younger Halpern says this line of work grapples in a fundamental way with the role of time in quantum theory. Gerard Milburn, a quantum theorist at the University of Queensland in Australia, wrote a review paper last year about the research on clock thermodynamics. I don't think people appreciate just how fundamental it is. There are other fundamental issues connected with general relativity and quantum gravity, which can only be understood in the context of clock thermodynamics. The first thing to note is that pretty much everything is a clock. Garbage announces the days with its worsening smell. Wrinkles mark the years. Here's Marcus Huber, who's now at the Technical University of Vienna and the Institute for Quantum Optics and Quantum Information Vienna. You can build a clock without any periodic process. You can do a carbon dating clock based on radioactive decay. You can build an hourglass or other things. I mean, you could tell time by measuring how cold your coffee has gotten on your coffee table, because this also follows a very clear equilibration curve and there's a time directionality to it. Early in their conversations in Barcelona, Huber, Erker, and their colleagues realized that a clock is anything that undergoes irreversible changes. These changes involve energy spreading out among more particles or into a broader area. Energy tends to dissipate, and entropy, a measure of its dissipation, tends to increase. That's because there are so many more ways for energy to be spread out than for it to be highly concentrated. This numerical asymmetry and the curious fact that energy started out ultra-concentrated at the beginning of the universe are why energy now moves toward increasingly dispersed arrangements, one cooling coffee cup at a time. Energy's strong spreading tendency and entropy's resulting irreversible rise seem to account for time's arrow, but Huber and those studying this say it also accounts for clocks. The irreversible process, the thermodynamic process, the slow equilibration, that's really fundamental to building a clock. So I think this shift in perspective is what we wanted to explore. Coffee doesn't make a great clock, obviously. As with most irreversible processes, its interactions with the surrounding air happen stochastically. This means you have to average over long stretches of time, encompassing many random collisions between coffee and air molecules in order to accurately estimate a time interval. This is why we don't refer to coffee or garbage or wrinkles as clocks. We reserve that name, the clock thermodynamicists realized, for objects whose timekeeping ability is enhanced by periodicity. That means some mechanism spaces out the intervals between the moments when irreversible processes occur. A good clock doesn't just change, it ticks. The more regular the ticks, the more accurate the clock. In their first paper, published in Physical Review X in 2017, Erker, Huber, and co-authors showed that better timekeeping comes at a cost. The greater a clock's accuracy, the more energy it dissipates and the more entropy it produces in the course of ticking. Milburn says a clock is basically a flow meter for entropy. They found that an ideal clock 
one that ticks with perfect periodicity, would burn an infinite amount of energy and produce infinite entropy, which isn't possible. So the accuracy of clocks is fundamentally limited. So a periodic clock, typically, technically, you set it up so that it's you do work on it continuously, push it away from equilibrium. It then tries to come back into equilibrium, so it's dissipating energy through friction. And if you do it right, the competition between the work you do and the energy lost due to heat will drive the system onto what's called a limit cycle or a self-sustained oscillation, where the work done around the cycle exactly equals the energy lost on each cycle. So it just stays there. If a little blip comes along and knocks it off, it just moves back on. Erker and his colleagues in their paper studied the accuracy of the simplest clock they could think of, a quantum system consisting of three atoms. A hot atom connects to a heat source, a cold atom couples to the surrounding environment, and a third atom that's linked to both of the others ticks by undergoing excitations and decays. Energy enters the system from the heat source, driving the ticks, and entropy is produced when waste energy gets released into the environment. The researchers calculated that the ticks of this three-atom clock become more regular the more entropy the clock produces. Here's Huber. And entropy is also measured in units of information, right? I mean, it has to do with the configuration space of your quantum system about how many states can realize things. And I mean, there's this deep connection between entropy and information. So if you only dissipate a limited amount of entropy, you're essentially only dissipating a limited amount of information. And so the question is, what I want is information about the time that has passed. So it would seem reasonable that with a limited amount of dissipated information, I can only gain a limited amount of information about how much time has passed. I mean, at least intuitively, this kind of made sense to us. In precise terms, entropy is a measure of the number of possible arrangements that a system of particles can be in. These possibilities grow when energy is spread more evenly among more particles. That's why entropy rises as energy disperses. In his 1948 paper that founded information theory, American mathematician Claude Shannon showed that entropy also inversely tracks with information. The less information you have about, say, a data set, the higher its entropy, since there are more possible states the data can be in. In another paper published in Physical Review X earlier this year, the theorists expanded their three-atom clock model by adding complexity, essentially extra hot and cold atoms connected to the ticking atom. They showed that this additional complexity enables a clock to concentrate the probability of a tick happening into narrower and narrower windows of time. This increases the regularity and accuracy of the clock. In short, it's the irreversible rise of entropy that makes timekeeping possible, while both periodicity and complexity enhance clock performance. But until 2019, it wasn't clear how to verify the team's equations, or what, if anything, simple quantum clocks had to do with the ones on our walls. 
At a conference dinner that year, Erker sat near Anna Pearson, a graduate student at Oxford, who'd given a talk he'd found interesting earlier that day. Pearson worked on studies of a 50-nanometer-thick vibrating membrane. In her talk, she remarked offhandedly that the membrane could be stimulated with white noise, a random mix of radio frequencies. The frequencies that resonated with the membrane drove its vibrations. To Erker, the noise seemed like a heat source, and the vibrations like ticks of a clock. He suggested a collaboration. Pearson's supervisor, R.S., was enthusiastic. She'd already discussed with Milburn the possibility that the membrane could behave as a clock. We were trying to build a clock from our systems, but we didn't know about these relations. And by talking to Marcus's group, They told us, well, actually, you know, we are investigating this limit. There is a limit between accuracy and entropy production. And we said, yeah, we can definitely measure that. We can measure the entropy production. We can measure the ticks. That vibrating membrane isn't a quantum system, but it's small and simple enough to allow precise tracking of its motion and energy use. This membrane moves, right? And this is a capacitor that is moving. And you connect it to a circuit and... Basically, all the heat that goes to that circuit, we can measure it because we see the signal coming out of the circuit and we can see the noise that is coming out of that signal, which is basically the dissipated entropy in the circuit. So also because we have good control of this circuit, we can tell from the dissipation in the circuit itself how much the entropy changes. RS and her team set out to test the key prediction from Erker and Company's 2017 paper, that there should be a linear relationship between entropy production and accuracy. It was unclear whether the relationship would hold for a larger classical clock, like a vibrating membrane. The data started to roll in, says Huber. And then we saw the first plots and we realized, wow, this is like, there is this linear relationship. But then we had a big problem in the sense that our models were all quantum mechanical and a couple of qubits. This was a really complex and large system, so large and noisy that it's even strenuous to even call it quantum mechanical, right? There's no quantum coherence, there's no entanglement, there's none of the typical quantum features. So then Edward, he was like, can we even say that this is a realization of your quantum model? Because I mean, this is really a just a classical complex system. And then we're like, yeah, but the relationship, it's linear. It's exactly what we predict. It's exactly what we think of. The regularity of the membrane clock's vibrations directly tracked with how much energy entered the system and how much entropy it produced. The findings suggest that the thermodynamic equations that the theorists derived may hold universally for timekeeping devices. Most clocks don't approach these fundamental limits. They burn far more than the minimum energy to tell time. Even the world's most accurate atomic clocks, like those operated at the Jilla Institute in Boulder, Colorado, are far from the fundamental limit of minimum energy. Jilla physicist Jun Yi says as clockmakers, they're trying to use quantum information science to build more precise and accurate clocks. So Yi says fundamental limits may become important in the future. Younger Halpern agrees, noting that efficient, autonomous clocks may eventually govern the timing of operations inside quantum computers, removing the need for external control. 
Practicalities aside, Erker's hope has stayed the same since his student days. Until we can actually kind of come up with a convincing proof that this is a universal bound, we have to just continue. Of course, the ultimate goal would be to understand what time is. One major aspect of the mystery of time is the fact that it doesn't play the same role in quantum mechanisms as other quantities, like position or momentum. Physicists say there are no time observables, no exact intrinsic timestamps on quantum particles that can be read off by measurements. Instead, time is a smoothly varying parameter in the equations of quantum mechanics, a reference against which to gauge the evolution of other observables. Physicists have struggled to understand how the time of quantum mechanics can be reconciled with the notion of time as the fourth dimension in Einstein's general theory of relativity, the current description of gravity. Modern attempts to reconcile quantum mechanics and general relativity often treat the four-dimensional space-time fabric of Einstein's theory as emergent, a kind of hologram cooked up by more abstract quantum information. If so, both time and space ought to be approximate concepts. The clock studies are suggestive in showing that time can only ever be measured imperfectly. Huber says the big question is whether the fundamental limit on the accuracy of clocks reflects a fundamental limit on the smooth flow of time itself. Are stochastic events like collisions of coffee and air molecules what time ultimately is? Huber says they've shown that even if time is a perfectly smooth parameter governing the evolution of quantum systems, they'd only be able to track its passage imperfectly using stochastic irreversible processes. He says this makes you wonder whether time is an illusion and smooth time is just an emergent consequence of us trying to put events into a smooth order. Huber says that's an intriguing possibility that can't easily be dismissed. Matt Carlstrom helped with this episode. I'm Susan Vallett. For more on this story, read Natalie Wolchover's full article, The New Thermodynamic Understanding of Clocks, on our website, quantummagazine.org. Quantum Magazine is an editorially independent online publication supported by the Simons Foundation to enhance public understanding of science. 